Welcome to the Truthiverse. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truthiverse. If you're a discerning, open-minded, and dedicated seeker who loves a good deep dive into the nature of reality and consciousness, then do check out my book, The Grand Illusion, composed of over 10,000 hours of research and experience. Find more information and reader reviews at brendandmurphy.com slash TGI. All right, welcome to this episode of Truthverse. This week, I'm joined by my, well, old friend. She's not old, and I actually haven't known her for that long, but um, I like I think of her as an old friend because I feel like we've known each other for lifetimes, so... I leave me Cusick, who is a sound healer extraordinaire. She has written a couple of books now. The first one was Tuning Biofield, which is uh, highly recommended. And also um, a, a diverse, uh, eclectic kind of a personality, a bit like myself. Um, Eileen, welcome to the show. We haven't done an interview for a long time. Hi, Brendan. It's great to be here. I, I like that. Would you say a diverse personality like yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we definitely have a lot of areas of research in common. I, I read your book, The Grand Illusion, back in 2012 when I was researching for electric body, electric health, <clears throat> and we chatted a bit there. Right? And I just remember that you were the second person that I ever tried a distance biofield tuning session on because I'd done one on somebody in California, and I wanted to know if it worked all the way to Australia, too. And so you were an early guinea pig. And it's not, well, it did work. It was actually, I could feel it. I could feel the work on me. It was quite powerful. Yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. Like I never thought that it was possible to do sound healing at a distance. You know, my practice is using tuning forks on and around the body. And people ask me for years, can you do this at a distance? And I thought it was the most ridiculous question ever. <laughs> like this is always on the body. Like this is physics, people. I'm not doing it at a distance. And then when I was working on my master's thesis, uh, this fellow by the name of Dr. Carl Merritt, who's, um, he's kind of like us, you know, studies and knows about a lot of things. He helped me to edit my thesis and he convinced me to try a distance session on him. And because I like experiments and because I really respected him, I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I was completely blown away by the fact that I was able to tune into his energy, that I was able to read it, adjust it. We got on the phone afterwards and he said, I felt a state change. And I went through all my notes because what I do in biofield tuning is I read the biofield like listening to an album of your life. And I'm able to hear and understand the language of vibration of, of your memories as they have been laid down in your electrical system. And decoded the whole electrical system, mapped it, and figured that very specific memories are stored in very specific places. And every emotion produces a tone and things like accidents and injuries and breakups and moves and all of these big things that happen in our life all have very distinct sounds that I hear through the tuning forks. And, um, and so I took notes and I read my notes to him and uh, he said it was all right. And so then I was, I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Right. And you and I were chatting because I was working on my book and I got so much out of your book, Brendan. I was so impressed that, you know, how old were you when you wrote The Grand Illusion? Were you like 27 or 28? I was published when I was 29. 
Yeah. So you were, I just was so astonished that you could be so young and have like put together so much information. And it was really timely for me to read because it helped to inform what I was sharing in my first book. Um, I noticed that you didn't know the title of my second one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any, Andy, but it's called Electric Body, Electric Health. And it's basically that I came to see as I was bouncing sound off of our human bodies that we have an electrical system that we never learn about, that nobody tells us about, and uh, and <clears throat> that anything that has an electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it. The human body is no exception. So they've been telling us that things like human energy fields and aura are pseudoscientific nonsense, but it's really just basic laws of physics that are happening. You know, we absolutely have a magnetic field. And uh, and so this journey of discovery of our body's electrical system and how our electrical system is connected to all of the natural electricity in the environment. We breathe in electricity. The earth has a charge. The atmosphere has a charge. Uh, we have a charge. And it's all electric. And we don't learn about that at all. It's really actually very hidden from us. It's weird because it's kind of like, it's very, it's not um, a weird, arcane, uh, debatable, uh, you know, it's not dubious. It's very kind of like, it's actually, it stems from a mainstream kind of physics type of a place. But yeah, they treat it like it's, you know, just completely taboo and don't go there because it's just ghosts and goblins and elves and things. It's, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Yeah. You know, that's funny that you said taboo. When I was working on my book, I my sons were younger and I had a group of uh, young teenage boys uh, over one day. And I said, um, when I say energy medicine to you, what is that? What does that make you think of? And one of the kids immediately responded taboo. I thought that was so interesting that you're so programmed at a young age that that sort of thing is pseudoscientific nonsense. And that's really been programmed very heavily into people. And what my work has been is to kind of demystify it, is to look at it and go, anything that has an electric current flowing through it, which our body definitely does, we have a North and South Pole, has a magnetic field around it. Magnetic fields guide and inform electric currents. So I'm using tuning forks like a magnet and a mirror and a metronome in the magnetic field to shift the way that electricity is flowing through the body. Why is that important? Well, we all know that inflammation is the one of the roots of disease. And what is inflammation but a jam up in your electrical system? It's basically like a traffic jam of too much electrical current in one area, so it gets hot. <laughs> and and anytime you have an excess in one area, you have a deficiency in another. And so you end up with this out of balance resource in your body. And what we do with tuning forks is we come in and we comb through, I've got a tuning fork here. We comb through the magnetic field and we can find areas where there's congestion, both in the electric current in the body, and it's in the magnetic field as well. And so tuning fork acts kind of like a magnet. I find these areas where the, <clears throat> the charge is all bunched up and, and then click into them. It's like called click, drag, and drop. And I actually sh- manipulate the magnetic field so that it comes into balance and then the electricity in the body 
follows that. So we're able to get people out of pain, for example, and pain is sometimes a consequence of just too much voltage through the wires. And so we find where that is in the field and we adjust it. And it's, it's very simple. I mean, these are all just principles that we already know and understand um, in basic science. So this, it almost seems ridiculous to me at this point that they have gotten a lot away so long with dismissing it as pseudoscience. Mm -hmm. Because once you get it, you know, even in Reiki, they're like, oh, we don't know how it works. But electricity moves from areas of greater concentration to areas of lesser concentration. So if you're not feeling very good, Brandon, and I'm feeling pretty good, I can put my hands on you and electricity is going to flow into you. It's not mysterious. <laughs> it's, you know, like it's just kind of how life works. And, and this idea that, you know, Basically, the word chi is the same thing as electricity. So when we're talking about chi and life force and energy moving through your body, it's electric current. It's a magnetic field. Like, I think that there's an understanding in the East of the more subtle aspects of it. Whereas, you know, we kind of completely ignore magnetic fields uh, in our culture. But I think it's just from conditioning. It's really because the, the pharmaceutical companies have taken over education, especially in medicine. And that's just the way people are programmed to look. But they knew that our bodies were electric. You know, in the early 1900s, you could buy devices for electric health out of the Sears catalog. <laughs> so there, there, there was an understanding of the electrical nature of life, especially when electricity was really being explored and developed. Uh, but it's been, it's just been put away. Like that book was closed and then it's been sort of demonized or made taboo. So people just don't even go there when in reality, it's very logical and very simple and very easily explained. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right about the, the way the education system has been, uh, well, I mean, it, I was going to say hijacked, but really it was created by the Rockefeller money and, and these types of people who just wanted to sell their their products and that requires the institutionalization of a certain kind of paradigm that has to block out all this other information and just focus really put the blinkers on just focus on you know germs and <clears throat> this kind of nonsense and chemical imbalances which just happen we don't know why but uh, you know take your pills and shut up kind of thing yeah 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 exactly chemical imbalances so you know here here's just a um an example of how we look at things differently through this lens of thinking electrically as opposed to thinking chemically. So if somebody is bipolar, they claim that you have a chemical imbalance, even though there's no actual test to determine if your chemicals are out of balance and, and you know, by what degree and what ones are out of balance, just chemical imbalance. Uh, and so you need medication to get your chemistry in order. Uh, what I have found listening to the rhythms and the flows and the patterns, the music of the bodies of people who are bipolar is that their system is expressing high, fast rhythms and low, heavy rhythms and tones. And they're completely missing their mid-range of expression. And so their only inner experience is ah, the manic or the high or the, you know, and, the, uh, and they're just lacking exposure to and uh, resonance with and expression of this more balanced part of themselves. 
So the way that I use tuning forks, we kind of touched on this earlier, a tuning fork produces a steady, coherent rhythm. So it, it acts like a metronome. It produces a steady, clear tone. So it acts like a, like a, well, like a tonal, like a, I don't know what the best way to describe this is, something through the body to like match its pitch against, right? It's kind of like a mirror. Um, and it produces, and it becomes like a magnet too when it's vibrating. So what I find, like I'll find an area where something high and fast is going on. But what's amazing about our human bodies is just like you heal a cut, right? Without having to do any intervention or visualize your cut healing, the body just goes about fixing itself, uh, especially if it has the right input to help it. Um, so when the body hears and feels itself off rhythm or out of tune, it will immediately start to correct itself. It will use that input, that reflection to correct itself. It's just like looking in the mirror and seeing you have a poppy seed in your teeth, right? What do you do when, when, you, when that happens? You're right. You take it out and <laughs> you're muted. <laughs> so you, you take it out. You do it automatically. You don't think about it. So the body, when it hears itself wrong, it fixes itself. It's got that input. It's, it's like, wow, I want to be in order. I want to be groomed. I want to be in harmony. I want to be coherent. That's what we're designed to be. So I'm able to help the body to slow down and tone down that high, fast expression. And I'm able to help the body lift up and speed up whatever's too slow and too heavy. And then strengthen those mid-range tones so that the person has an inner experience of themselves as more tonally balanced. And it's very simple. It's not a lifelong condition. You're basically just an instrument that's out of tune. And you can be tuned up pretty easily. I mean, we've remedied things like bipolar and depression and anxiety in as few as three sessions. Yeah, what's very but yeah, it's so elegant. I like that it's so elegant. You know, you don't need to mystify it or bamboozle people and make them, you know, like give yourself a God complex and make people kind of, oh, what's, what's she doing to me? Like, it's all incomprehensible. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, like, it's so clear. You make it so understandable. It's, it's really very simple. You know, it's actually very simple. I mean, health is actually a pretty simple thing. Brendan, you play the guitar. You've got a couple guitars there. Like pretty much almost every time you pick up the guitar, at least every couple of days, you have to tune it, right? Yeah. Uh, and if No, regular, regularly, yeah. Regularly. Yes. yes. You have to tune it regularly. And if you play your guitar really hard for a long time, you know, tune it, it's going to start sounding not beautiful. And our bodies are the same way. Like most people have been sort of beat up by life and are out of tune. And then you think, oh, I'm bad. There's something wrong with me. I have a chemical imbalance. I need to take drugs. Uh, but you're really just not in tune. And you can be tuned. And sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I just want to be tuned once and have that fix all of my problems. You know, you know, that's like saying I in the in the seven years I own my car, I'm going to bring it in for one tune-up. Yeah. One oil change, right? Like keeping ourselves in tune and, and healthy is a regular process of availing ourselves to coherent inputs, to healthy inputs. This really has to be a lifestyle of, of realizing that the stress of life 
puts wear and tear on us. And we need to counteract that in some way. Otherwise, we're going to go downhill very quickly. Yeah. So when, when people look, you know, I mean, short of having like a session, say with you, uh, which you're probably not going to be able to do every day uh, or a practitioner who does your method. I mean, what is your suggestion to people if they want to, you know, retune themselves and harmonize themselves? Is it like listening to some nice meditation music, you know, pick up a guitar, play a song you like? What kind of suggestions do you give people? Well, there's so many, right? I mean, there's so, so many ways to do it. Um, you know, the simplest one, honestly, is, is just by watching what we say and the tone that we use when we say it, because our word is so creative. And a lot of people use the power of their word to put spells on themselves, to hex themselves without even realizing that they're doing it. I remember I had a woman come to one of my classes and, and during check-in, she said, I have Hashimoto's disease. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, stop right there. I was like, who is Hashimoto and why do you have his disease? Like, what, are, what are you even saying here? You are using the power of your word to speak into being that you have this mysterious disorder. I said, what you have is a habit of discharging more than you recharge, of saying yes when you mean no, of putting other people's needs ahead of your own, of suppressing your emotions, of telling other people what they want to hear, of putting yourself last. I was like, is that all true? And she was like, I was like, that's your problem, not Hashimoto's disease, right? <laughs> so don't speak that into being. Speak into being what you want to be. Mm. I am healthy and strong. I am getting healthier every day. I am naturally attracted to things in my environment that support my health and well-being. I feel great. I am happy. <laughs> when we sit around go, saying, oh, I am this and I had that and woe with me and self-pity, then you're creating that. So, so simple, free, easy. A lot of people get very caught up. I mean, this has been the pattern over the last years that I've seen. Like, I want to get healthy. I got to clean up my diet. I got to eat clean. I got to be super careful about what's going into my mouth. You know, I'm drinking all the celery juice, but then I'm telling my friends I have Hashimoto's disease. <laughs> and, you know, with a kind of a disconnect. And what I've found, I, I think it is important to, to eat pretty well, but I don't think that that's the salvation. You know, I don't think you can save yourself through a clean diet alone that you have to also speak your health into being to empower yourself with your own words and even with the tones that you use and the way that you express. And a lot of people spend a lot of energy fighting and arguing or saying things and not feeling heard, which is a huge waste of energy and it throws the thyroid out of bounds. Conversely, people can just stuff everything. You know, an emotion starts to arise, anger, they stuff it back down. Um, I was just speaking with a friend just a little while ago, and she was saying that she had irritable bowel syndrome. And I was like, oh, I know what causes that. She's like, what? And then being irritated with all the idiots around you. <laughs> I'm not like that. I was like, not externally, but what is really going on internally when you're dealing with all of it? Because she's one of those people and like her relatives and her friends and her neighbors and everybody's having stress and having problems. She's actually pretty good 
but she's surrounded by people who are making bad choices. And on a certain level, she's really pissed off that they are all influencing her in this way, but she's nice and patient, da da da. Meanwhile, her gut is in an uproar. And when I pointed it out to her, she's like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> so a, a lot of these things that we have, like uh, Crohn's disease, so pretty much everybody I've ever worked on with Crohn's disease has a vicious inner critic. They're basically like eating themselves alive with acidic dialogue and sentiment towards themselves. And it shows up in the gut. Um, I mean, pretty much any disorder that people have, pain, upset, da, 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 it's all some kind of misunderstanding and mismanagement of their own human body. And a lot of it is because we've taken away this acoustic, electrical, um, flowing blueprint aspect of ourselves. And if we fix things in there, um, then it can be easier. I mean, it's honestly a lot easier. In my experience, electric health is a lot easier than chemical health. If, you, if, you're, if your pH is low, right? Oh, I got low pH and I'm becoming acidic and disease is setting in. Like, what are, what are your options for raising your pH? I mean, most of the time, it's dietary. And oh, drink ionized water, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like what you put in your mouth, right? And honestly, I'm one of those people, I don't really like vegetables, and I, I don't eat very many. And I seem to survive fine without, well, so I'm not going to raise my pH sitting around eating piles of kale and spinach. This is not going to happen. So, but if you switch it from thinking about raising your pH to raising your voltage, and this is the exact same thing, you think of your body like a battery. So on a scale of one to 100, where's your battery meter at right now? What's your battery meter at right now? And usually when I ask people that question, they continue and they ask themselves and they come out with a number. So did you come out with a number, Brendan? Where are you at today? Oh, about 35. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here, right? You're getting over being sick. So your voltage is low. Um, but when, you know, this is a pretty significant thing because when 35 is low, life is low. Like a lot of people come in between 60 and 80. But think about this. If you have a business and you have 100 employees, like a manufacturing business, and only 35 of them are showing up to work, or even 65 of them are showing up to work, you're not, like, things are not optimized at all, right? A lot isn't getting done. What is getting done, people are stressed and strained and kind of going under because there isn't enough support. Whereas if you've got 90 to 100 people showing up every day, everything is flowing exactly the way that it's supposed to. And our body is no different. So if if you... Uh, are continually running at 60 to 65%, I will tell you that you feel as if you have a lot more potential and you're not accessing it. I think a lot of people feel that way. Like, I know I have all this potential. It's electric potential. It's electric potential. And a lot of it is caught up actually in tension in the body. And it's this tension or this restriction that creates inflammation. So it comes from holding ourselves back. So so what else can we do to raise our voltage? So I've observed that people who have things like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue have a persistent habit of 
holding themselves back, especially the fibromyalgia people. It takes a lot of energy to hold ourselves back. Right. So they're they're not speaking their truth. They're not advocating for their needs. They're not just being authentic and free, uh, probably because it wasn't safe to be that way. Right. It's not your fault if you have any of these things going on. So much of what we're we and that is a response to our inputs, our environment, our ancestors. Don't let anybody ever guilt you out or say that it's your fault that you're sick in some way. It's not. But it is your responsibility to figure out how to fix it and to switch it up for yourself, right? And that's your, you are the only one who can take care of you and make those decisions to take care of you. So one way to get the battery meter up is to start giving yourself permission when and where you can to not hold yourself back to, you know, and here's the thing. I think sometimes people hear this speak your truth and equate it with like going off, you know, like bleh, and maybe being offensive. Um, and I just want to volunteer that that it doesn't have to be true at all, that you can speak with the truth of who you are, where you're at, what you're feeling, what your experience is in that moment. And you can be in, you can be soft, you can be respectful, you can be kind, you can be loving. You don't have to be offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard so many people, the, they are, the, the fibro people always say, well, I don't like confrontation. And I'm like, that's a story. It doesn't have to be confrontation. It can be just a very gentle sharing of where you're at. And, and it doesn't have to be confrontational. There's this pattern that we see in the field that I call stuff and blow. And it's this tendency to like stuff it and stuff it and stuff it and stuff it and bite your lip and hold your tongue until you can't take it anymore. And then something sets you off and you're like, and you just blow it all out all over somebody, which is inappropriate because, right, the degree of intensity you're coming out with isn't appropriate to whatever happened. So they give you pushback. They're like, hey, that's not okay that you're exploding on me. So then you go back to stuffing. And it, you know, I watched my mom do that. My mom was a stuffer blower. And it's very scary when people blow, you know, it's a violent thing to be around. Then then you equate me expressing my truth with confrontation that's uncomfortable and me getting shut down. Whereas if just all along you had been gently advocating for yourself and successfully diplomatically, you know, navigating the truth of who you are and what your needs are. A big thing that stops people from doing that is self-worth. And I think that that's really something that I find kind of at the kernel of most disorders is some kind of feeling like you're not worthy. And so you restrict, right? It's, it's, I mean, at a very simple level, like where current flows and currency, they're flowing or it's restricted from flowing. And then things aren't working properly. And then voltage drops because that energy that should be flowing is now invested in restriction. So it's, it's not even available to you. So health is really about letting go of all these places where we pull in. You know, even something like the concept of abundance. Uh, a lot of people derail themselves. Like if you have to sit down and write a big check, oh, geez, the brakes went on my car and now I got to, you know, how is it that I, that my, my car seems to be connected to my bank account. And whenever I have a little extra money in my account, my car needs a repair in that exact amount. Right? And so many people who live kind of week to week have that kind of experience. So you got to sit down, you got to write a big check. And what's the feeling that you're feeling when you're doing that? And it's usually, right? Yep. And what does that do? That immediately restricts flow. 
and immediately restricts flow. Abundance is a feeling. It's just a feeling of being in flow and being connected, right? All of our abundance comes from our connections, our abundance of breath and food and life. And, you know, it's all in our connections and our interaction and our flow with our environment. And we've been programmed into this sort of disconnection from that and then restriction and we've all been turned into isolated restricted units operating in our own silos feeling powerless and weak and disconnected uh where in reality you know we're not that and we have the potential for so so much more and that's all been hidden right i mean the whole thing about plasma as a state of matter uh, i only learned about solid liquid and gas I never learned that there was a fourth state of matter called plasma that was about the flow of electric current and that like 99.999% of the universe was made of it. It was just hidden from my awareness. I never learned that my body was electrical. I never learned that when I'm breathing in oxygen, I'm breathing in electricity because the oxygen molecule has free electrons in it. And those electrons are what bind electromagnetically to the hemoglobin in our blood. And then it's those electrons, those packets of light and life and energy that get dropped off at our cells. Now we're getting most of our life force through our breath. And if we're all restricted and locked down and have all these micro blocks in us, that oxygen, that electricity, that life force is not getting to our cells. This is what, where we get cancer. You know, where you, you might have some kind of emotion or some kind of experience and you're like, oh, I'm not going there. So your breath isn't going there. Mm -hmm. And the body's like, wow, we're not getting any oxygen. We need to compensate for this, right? So, um, so breathe more. The more you can recognize when you are going into restriction, contraction, you're not breathing, you're telling yourself stories of victimhood or whatever, be like, look what I'm doing. I'm shutting down my access to life. I'm telling myself stories of struggle and resistance and whatever. And see if you can kind of flip the spin from going like in to being to going out and breathing and expanding and bringing more life into your body so those are all you can listen to music right that will raise your voltage when we bounce um whether it's you know running or dancing or walking with a spring in your step we make electricity through our bones bones are piezoelectric crystalline structures when they're compressed they make electricity i think quite a lot of our lymph movement in our body i've come to see lymph as like a magnetic fluid is in part being moved by the flow of electricity through our bones so if you've got stagnant lymph you've got to get out there and bounce around and make your bones electric and full of light and life um but then from like a sound healing perspective, um, I make this tuning fork called the Sonic Slider that I created for people to use on themselves to boost voltage. And you can do it in a number of ways, but the, the, the sort of primary idea is to make use of the fact that it has a really long handle. Now this one has a boot on it. This is called a circuit boot, um, which amplifies the vibration. But this process of simply like sliding a vibrating tuning fork handle on your body stimulates lymph, it stimulates, stimulates the bones, it gets the blood moving. It actually adds tone to muscles, to the digestive tract. So in this way, it helps the body to become more coherent, more clear, more even. Because when you, when you wipe it all over your whole body with pressure, and this is why you have like a seven minute morning routine where, and evening, 
where I just kind of cover my whole body with this fork and it gets me more even and consistent and just feeling like I'm flowing. It's actually helped tone my muscles. Um, people have told me who have weak digestion that they use it on all their digestive organs and that that is helping them to have better digestion. It's adding tone. It's helping improve the rhythm of what's going on in there. Uh, so a weighted fork on the body, even just put it on the chest, on the sternum can help kind of bring you into your body, help you to relax and to breathe, kind of open up that breath and just get more life force flowing. So that's one way. And then another really simple way is just to use it as a meditation tool. I know a lot of people like to think they ought to meditate, but it's very hard to quiet your mind. But you can activate a tuning fork. And it immediately captures your attention, not only your ears and your awareness, but sort of your whole body sort of perks up and starts listening. And just sitting and whether it's a tuning fork or a chime or a bell, you know, there's plenty of, of things um, that, that you can use that's going to stop the monkey mind and bring you into that one point awareness. And it's going to give your body an input of coherence. You know, it'll probably some point you'll feel like you want to take a bigger breath. It just naturally creates this relaxation response where this breath wants to move, right? That's a state change right there. <laughs> like, wow, I just kind of relaxed, dropped in, took a breath. Only took me a few moments to do that. Eat. Right? So, or, you know, one of my favorite things, Brendan, is to go outside and listen to the birds. I'll just put my bare feet on the ground. And sit on the grass and just really just listen deeply to the birds. There, the whole aim of sound healing is to just bring us into this relaxed, aware, present moment experience where we're not fussing, fearful of the future. We're not feeling regret or remorse about the past. We're just kind of here in our totality, uh, being relaxed, alert, curious, aware, ready for whatever wants to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, when you drill down to the fundamentals, so much about what our, our problems are that it, we're so dissociated. Um, we're not present, we're not present and being present is, is really the key to actually integrating the materials that need to be integrated or the charge that needs to be integrated. And then you can actually, you'll experience quite naturally through integration that that's the healing process. Yeah. Present, presence is the root of that. It is, but you know, we, I think. We've got teachers out there like Eckhart Tolle, who, you know, as I understand it, the guy was sitting on a pen on a bench in a park, and then suddenly he was enlightened. And I don't think that that's a useful model for people because who has that kind of experience? Like so few of us have that kind of experience. You know, I mean, I did acid when I was 18 and I had an experience of complete enlightenment. I was like, I'm so expanded. I'm so empowered. I'm so like, oh, and I really thought I was like, wow, now I'm just going to go like be in line for the rest of my life now. And the next day I was like, oh, no, that's definitely not what happened. <laughs> I contracted back down, you know, like the size of a pin. But it gave me a North Star. It gave me like this awareness of like, wow, that's what it feels like to be like in my fully expanded potential as a human being. And now I, it's like I took the express elevator to the top of the mountain and <laughs> did like spend a day on the mountain and then like crashed back down to earth. And I realized that if I wanted to get to that point of that degree of expanded human potential, that I was going to have to be a step-by-step -step journey with switchbacks and difficulty to go back up there. 
So I think that this process of getting to our potential is really kind of step by step. And it's sometimes it's forwards and backwards. And it, but it's, it's, I believe it's a path that's worth committing to as a lifestyle to be, how can I, because here's the thing, Brendan, we're garbage in, garbage out. And the fact of the matter is, is that we've been lied to about everything. Like this is something that I've been uncovering in recent research into history through looking at old buildings. So the, I don't know, we were talking about it before, what they're calling Tartaria, um, and which was basically a, a one world um, people that made use of free energy through their architecture and uh, appear to have been like erased from history, stamped out. A lot of the architecture has been destroyed. And over the last few years, there's been um, a growing body of researchers who are sifting through all of this information and starting to put together a big puzzle that involves all of these different factors to try to understand like how we ended up where we ended up as humans in the big mess that we're in. And what I've really learned from those rabbit hole dives is just how much we've been lied to about everything, about everything. So we've been kept in the dark. We've been fed a lot of nonsense. We've been through a lot of trauma. Just in the last hundred years, what, you know, all the continual wars and the refugees and the, um, the depression. And, you know, after World War II, people were so traumatized, like so, so traumatized. And everybody just kind of went to booze and cigarettes and pretending everything was fine. There's, there's so much alcoholism. There's so much patterns of, a, of a domestic abuse, of violence, of self-loathing. And this is all what we've inherited. Like we have so many dysfunctional ancestral and cultural patterns that are playing out as a consequence of all of this trauma um, that we're all like terribly out of tune um, from, from misinformation and trauma. And I think that the journey to health is really getting out of the box that mainstream has put us in. Like I really think in order to be vibrantly healthy, you have to really be a rebel because you kind of have to go against everything that you're told to do. Yeah, completely agree. And every, you know, if I think, you know, who are the healthiest people I know, they're, they're not compliant, you know, pacifists, um, you know, passive type people who are doing what the system tells them to do. Absolutely. The only way to survive and be really robustly healthy and vibrant, like you say, is completely to be you have to rebel against that programming, the bullshit that we're all put into from day one on earth, um, seek through it firstly, and then actually say, no, I'm going a different way. Not everyone has the backbone for that, but the people who do are the ones who, who benefit are the healthiest people. Yeah, absolutely. Not everybody has the backbone for that. Not everybody has the freedom for that. You know, I'm very fortunate because I come from a long line sort of independent rebels and free thinkers. So I, I inherited a large degree of freedom. And, and because of that inheritance, because of where I popped out in the time-space continuum, I was given an advantage in that department where I have the 
the confidence and the comfort to say, no, <laughs> no, I'm not going along with that. It doesn't make sense. It's not right. It's, you know, it doesn't feel good. And I don't agree. And I can stand in that kind of sovereign authority. Uh, that's a privilege that I have that not, you know, that many people don't have. Like it doesn't even occur to them. They haven't had that input. Um, and I think that that's kind of the job of people like you and I who who do have that natural advantage towards more freedom to help open up other people to that in themselves as well. Yeah, completely, completely. It's interesting, uh, interesting choice of words to to think of it as a privilege. Um, you know, in some ways, it's it's, uh, it's more it's something else because you really you really kind of earn your stripes in the process of doing that. You get a great feathers and. Um, be toughened up along the way in order to be able to continue to stand that, uh, particularly doing what we're doing, which is to do it publicly, which is welcoming, you know, you open the, the floodgates for any idiot with a computer and a keyboard to, to give you what, you know, a piece of his mind kind of thing. Um, and that's, yeah, it's something else, but, um, uh, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I like this conversations kind of evolved naturally in the direction of talking about, you know, truth and the suppression of truth and how we. I think early before we actually started recording, you mentioned, you know, what is truth, this, this kind of like line of thinking. And, you know, we could definitely, um, definitely get into that because I'm all about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I've really learned from the tuning forks is that truth really does have a ring to it. It has a resonance. When people hear the truth, they'll say, that makes sense. There's something like all the cells in my body are going, oh, I feel that. And I think that it, are there universal truths? Is, is there like one truth? Um, you know, in, in my first book, uh, I, I start off with the story about truth having 144 sides. And where this came from was when I was doing research for tuning the human biofield, I uh, came across a researcher. I'm not going to remember his name in this moment. I wish I could. Um, but a, a video that this Dutch, elderly Dutch fellow had made, and it was a talk that he was giving. He invented a biophotonic healing device, and he was talking about that. But in the course of his conversation, he mentioned in passing, I've come to see that truth has 144 sides. And then he just kind of goes on to something else. And I'm like, what? Wait, it was like, it went into my brain like an arrow and stuck there. I was like, blah, blah. Like, truth has 144 slides. Like, what does that mean? And I couldn't stop thinking about it. But I realized that, you know, in any kind of anything that happens, everybody has a different perspective on it, right? Like, if you and I are, are sitting on, across a table and you're looking at a box and the side of the box that you're seeing is red and the side of the box that I'm seeing is gray, you're going to be like, it's red. And I'm going to be like, it's gray. And you're like, it's red. And we're both going to be right. We're both going to be right, you know, and kind of learning to look at things that way. I was like, oh, this makes me more willing to go over to the other side of the table and look at it from your perspective, because if you're sure you're right, you probably are. And I don't need to make you wrong in order for me to be right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so this idea that the truth can have a lot of facets to it and that I might only see one facet and that we need a community of people looking at something and kind of consensus around what 
truth is because of our limitations in perception. But I think our own bodies know when something is true or not true. Like we can feel it if somebody's telling a lie or if somebody tells you something that's so amazing and you get like chills or goosebumps, right? Or like, whoa, truth bumps, some people call them. Um, so in even working with the tuning forks, when I'm, when I'm in an area that's out of integrity, and in fact, I have this new fork, actually, it's kind of funny. Let me just pull it out. This fork is 144 hertz. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of this number, 144, uh, but for good reason. So what this fork does is when I activate it and I hold it over somebody, if there's an aspect of that person or that body that is out of integrity or out of alignment, I'll really hear it in the overtones and undertones. Like it makes some really wild sounds. Um, but then it'll work with the body and the body will hear itself and go, wow, I'm so out. And the body will work with that input and it'll bring itself back into this relaxed alignment state. And then the fork will sound clear. I won't hear the distortions anymore. So we'll have moved from out of integrity, out of alignment, out of truth into that balanced place. Right. And there's a resonance or a ring to that coherent expression of ourselves. So I think that there are, you know, I think kids and dogs very naturally have very accurate bullshit meters. They can absolutely feel your vibe and know. But as adults, we've become very blinded with words. You know, we'll listen to words, but we're not feeling what is going on. And so we can be told all of these lies through the news or what have you, history books, and we don't have the discernment like that part of us has been disabled. Yeah. And, you know, part of where that comes from is that if you're a kid, because we're told so many lies that you might be told something like I remember being told, um, being taught about relativity theory and saying this doesn't make any sense. Like this just doesn't make any sense. And being told Einstein was a genius and you're not. And that's why you don't understand it. Now, most people would be like, wow, I can't trust my own senses that are telling me that this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So therefore I can't trust my own senses and I have to defer to authority. Right. So this is where I come back to this privilege or whatever, where I can be where they would tell me that. And I'd be like, well, I'm a genius, too. <laughs> and like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I believe myself. I trust myself. And the fact this is not resonating. This is not landing. This is not simple or easy or logical. It's just insane. Right? And most people don't have that ability to say my gut feeling here is of more value to me in this moment than the BS that you're ladling on to me. Yeah. So, you know, so we end up with a whole bunch of people who just override their own senses. And even things like, even things like chemical sense, you know, our, our whole um, human existence is sort of drenched in chemical sense. And we go to the grocery store and 95% of the laundry detergent is scented. Yeah. When you sleep with Tide and Bounce in your pillow, those are endocrine disruptors. Like that disrupts your whole system. 
So we're constantly exposed to toxins and pollutants in our environment of all kinds, chemical and electromagnetic, that disrupt our own senses and actually kind of numb us out so that we can't tune in to that truth meter. It has been voided due to all kinds of other inputs that are mm, grosser or stronger than our own subtle inner meter. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and I think most people are kind of so toxic that it's kind of drowned out. And and then, you, you know, what he talked about when you combine that with the fact that, you know, we go through a schooling system that trains us to mindlessly repeat what authority figures tell us is reality so that we can get the good grades. And then, you know, you go back in history and it's like, well, someone like Amy brought something to my attention recently. It was from an ex-Christian who um, was talking about a very core part of the Christian dogma, which most Christians interpret in such a way as to force them to abandon their own internal discernment and internal guidance system in favor of the the words in this book written by a God knows who, or they're told by God, but you get the point, like they've abandoned their internal radar. And so we've got this like 2000 year old legacy. It goes at least, you know, roughly two millennia back. And then we've got a systematic education system that then compresses and exacerbates it <laughs> and we've got an environment where there's 10,000 normal, you know, artificial, artificial toxins floating around. Um, it's not recipe for a great discernment and, you know, intuitive, yeah, perception. Yeah, it's really true. It's really true. And, and that's where, you know, this whole getting ourselves in tune, getting the noise out of our signals, improving the signal to noise ratio in our own electrical bodies. When we've had big traumatic inputs, it's noise in the signal, and that stops you from perceiving things clearly. If you have been traumatized to the point where you have chronic anxiety, your whole field is jumping around in front of you. You're seeing life through this distorted lens of your own electrical system in an erratic motion. And when you're afraid, you're very much more easily controlled. You don't even know what to do. We recently completed a study where we had 15 volunteers each receive three one-hour biofield tuning sessions, one a week for three weeks. And all of these people came into the study with clinical anxiety, and everyone came out of the study without clinical anxiety. <clears throat> and we did both quantitative and qualitative reporting and analysis. And one of the things that a number of participants said was, now that my anxiety is diminished, I can tell when I'm hungry. I can tell when I'm thirsty. I can tell when I need a nap or to say no. So these very just basic signals from our own body around just basic self-care and maintenance, if that gets messed up, from anxiety, certainly the more subtle aspects are going to be completely destroyed. So I think w one of the things that <clears throat> that is really helpful um, with this work, especially with biofield tuning, you know, now we have study um, just been submitted to peer review. Um, what also we, we saw in this study was we did this vocal analysis where people were sent uh, texts a few times a week saying, how's your day going? What's life like at the moment? 
and they recorded voice notes and sent them. And these voice notes were put through analysis looking for uh, negative word use. There any kind of negative words to describe what was going on. And then we plotted it on a graph. And what we saw was that every week, this use of negative words to describe their experience went down very dramatically. But what was really interesting was the same technique was used for a multi-million dollar NIH study on compassion meditation. It was a nine-week study that these people were engaging in this compassion meditation. And they also did the voice note thing. And what you see in the nine-week study is that the negative word use doesn't change at all. At all. So if you're just hanging out with yourself and you're not getting any kind of inputs to change it up, not a lot changes. But if you receive three biofield tuning sessions, you get an input, somebody listening deeply to your field, somebody finding the places in your electrical system where you've got to wobble and providing an input for your body to stabilize against that. And the opportunity for somebody to really see you and hear you and listen to you and work with you, um, we see dramatic changes. So I guess the point in bringing this up is, is that I think sometimes people feel like they should be able to fix themselves. And, you know, you ask what we could do to help to raise voltage and kind of bring ourselves into this electric health thing. Um, one of the things is get help. It's <laughs> get some kind of, of input from somebody else. I think that, you know, we've been really, really conditioned to be self-sufficient individuals and really conditioned to not ask for help. Uh, you know, it's funny, it took me, it took me until I was 50 years old to realize that if I had a project or something I needed to do and I kept kicking that can down the road and not getting to it, right? Our, our all natural tendency is to beat ourselves up for being a procrastinator, for not getting stuff done. It's such a great opportunity to be so upset with yourself when you're not getting things done. Well, what I realized was if I'm not getting something done, I need help. I need somebody to help me with it. The reason I'm not getting it done is because I don't have enough resources in or out or whatever. I'm just not getting it done. But if I reach out to somebody and say, hey, I've got this project. I'm not getting it done. Want to do a time trade? Give me an hour. I'll give you an hour to help with something. Or for me, I have a team. You know, I can just pay them. Um, like I was not getting blog posts done. I'm like, not, not, not. And finally, I'm like, I need somebody to help me with this. Reached out to one of my team members, said, let's spend an hour working on a blog post together. And I got it done. So anything that you think you ought to be doing or getting done, whether it's healing or whether it's a project or whatever, and you're not getting it done, it means you need to reach out to someone and get some help. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, humans are, are tribal, you know? We're meant to share the load with each other. We're meant to help each other. And part of this divide and conquer regime that we live under has put us all into our own little individual suffering silos. And it shouldn't be that way. Like we, we do very well when we recognize we need help and, and are resourceful to find that help in our environment. So we have lots of biofield tuning practitioners um, out in the world, and you guys can find those at my website. Um, we also have a whole bunch of recordings. So I used to have a practice seeing people one-on-one. -on -one. That was what I did primarily. That's what I was doing when you and I first met, Brennan, back in 2012, 
um, when my first book came out, my practice was already super busy. Like it was kind of as busy as I could handle. And then my book came out and I started getting inquiries from all over the world. And I ended up in this place where I was like booking six, seven, eight months out. And it was ridiculous. Like you don't want to be a wellness provider there to take care of everybody else and kill yourself in the process. Right? And that's what I was doing. And so what I ended up doing was switching from working with individuals to working with groups. And I started doing these live broadcasts where I do these group sessions and, um, and have created this huge library of recorded biofield tuning sessions. Um, there's a handful of free ones that you can listen to. I've got a few on YouTube. Um, but then there's this whole catalog of all kinds of sessions uh, at biofieldtunestore.com that, you know, it's less expensive and more convenient than trying to connect with a practitioner. So there's lots of different levels you can come in at uh, with sound, with resources for me, but even with what you have, you know, in your own environment and certainly your own breath and your own word are the best places to start. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Breath, it's just so powerful and it's so overlooked. I mean, it's becoming a bit of a trend now. Like everyone's getting into breath work. You know, my brother's doing it. You know, he's, a, he's got certified like, it's great that it's back on the radar. And it's kind of funny in a way. It's like, that's breathing. We forgot how to breathe. <laughs> yeah, we've forgotten how to breathe. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of people, if they've heard of breath, have heard of Wim Hof. And, you know, he started that. I don't know if you know why he, what led him to kind of become Wim Hof. Uh, but his wife committed suicide. And he was dealing with such massive grief and such a difficult situation that it was his own self-survival kind of instinct to come to the work that he does with the cold water and the breath. And really everything does ride on the breath. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I say is that the degree of freedom we have in our breath is directly related to the degree of freedom we have in our life emotionally, financially, the ability to get through a day without stress. It's all riding on the rhythm and the pattern of the breath. Any kind of reaction or response you have, you're feeling anxious, your breath is doing this. If you're feeling satisfied, breath is doing something altogether different. Once it. <laughs> where can we, where do you want to go from here? Do you want to get into anything kind of like more woo, uh, anything that's kind of like away from the sound healing that is of interest to you at the moment, rabbit holes you've been going down? Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I, nothing's really jumping to mind. Um, one of the things that I got really interested in, uh, in this Tartaria adventure was these, what we call Gothic cathedrals. Allegedly, when these were constructed and being used, they were not created as temples of worship to a Christian god, but rather uh, both power generators in that with all of their different domes and towers, uh, there's what they're calling antiquitech, which is the, the way that very specific architectural features were put into these buildings to turn them basically into antenna to harvest and make use of the ambient electromagnetic energy in our environment. Mm -hmm. So, but that they were also through the use of these organs, these massive organs that they had, and also bells, that the building itself 
became an instrument of healing, that they didn't have stained glass in the windows, that the windows are actually somatic patterns that when sound goes through them, creates very specific tones and uh, influences as a consequence of sound going through the window, or even the doors. Like if you look at these doors that are set in to these doorways that have all of these layers, it's like kind of like coming out a speaker. So the, the, these buildings were keeping harmony in the environment. Uh, I came across a meme and it was, it was a, an image of all of these bells that had been destroyed, like hundreds and hundreds of them. Uh, and, and it said, the bells and the organs kept the evil spirits away. Hmm. And then what happened was all of these bells, so, so many of these Madison bells are like, how do they even make all these bells? And some of them are extraordinarily large were destroyed during World War I and World War II, and they were melted down and turned into munitions. So somehow the, the demons got in and, and went about destroying the bells, destroying this architecture, destroying our knowledge and our understanding of the mindset that gave rise to these incredible structures. It's all been erased. And even places like um, um, Dresden, okay? In world, during World War II, Dresden in Germany didn't have any kind of military, strategic anything. In fact, it was housing a lot of refugees. And Dresden was full of this old world antiquitech architecture that was built by very different humans. Like you look at our, our architecture now and it's called brutalism. And you look at these pictures of like Paris in 1900 with all of this beautiful old world architecture. And then that was, it was destroyed. They destroyed Dresden. And I even heard that um, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, right? This particular kind of architecture is found all over the world, all over the world, same style of architecture. And that Nagasaki and Hiroshima had huge amounts of this architecture and were destroyed. So there seems to be a force at work destroying the bells, destroying the organs, destroying the old history with fires and, and this and that, and, and telling us complete lies about it. I and mean, there's even a theory down this rabbit hole that a thousand years were added to our calendar. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that, that it's a J or an I, not a one. Mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> they're, they're clearly in the past humans were more elevated. They were more noble. They might've even been much taller. There's evidence that there were giants, yep. uh, you know, and it seems as if humans have been getting progressively smaller. There's larger people that built these large things. And you see these doorways that are 30 feet high. Like why does a six foot human need a 30 foot high doorway? Um, so there's, you know, there's just so many interesting things to be found there. And I, just I became obsessed with it and especially the architecture like I just couldn't stop looking at these buildings and um felt like they really awakened something in my spirit uh, I don't claim to be an expert in any way shape or form but it's just been interesting to learn about and it's enriching and it's mind opening and 
I think it's so, so, so important that we question everything, you know, that we be skeptical contrarians and that we don't just let ourselves be um, put in these tiny boxes like they, you know, put in this tiny box and obey. Uh, we're so much more than that as humans. And I think it's the role of each one of us who's a curious human to do everything we can to grow into our potential and help others to do the same and um, expand the consciousness of humanity beyond this narrow dystopia future that we seem to be heading into that, you know, I know you don't want and I don't want. I don't want Klaus Schwab defining how reality unfolds on Earth. I think that it can be so much better. And, you know, I'm an unapologetic idealist. Like I see that humans can be harmonious and expanded and noble, that we all have that essential nature and how our environment has degraded the human experience. But but it, I believe that it's possible uh, to change it. You know, I think waking up people to this idea of electric health, to this idea that you, the light in you isn't just this spiritual thing, it's your biology. And the light in you is the same light that powers the sun and the stars and that's in everything else. Like we're all, it's all connected. And, and it's through this connection with each other that we amplify that light. So I, I think it's super important that we work together in groups, right? We were saying at the beginning, like the importance of teams and, and teamwork. And I think so many people in this movement feel isolated. They feel like they're in their own silos. And yet when we get together, even if it's just virtually, we have the power to start to change the collective vibe. Yeah, completely. Community is so, so important right now. Um, and the more, the more pressure we see from being exerted by these, you know, parasitical sort of new world order type people, I mean, the more vital it becomes to, to create that community connection so that we are mutually supported and, and stronger than the sum of our parts. Yeah. You know, I want to just speak to that word parasite because that's really what's going on is we have a big parasitic infestation in humanity uh, and that parasites will feed on anything that is out of alignment and out of structural integrity. And the more that we can fill ourselves with the light of source, with the life force, with our own electric potential, the more we naturally repel parasites. The reason why um, humanity is being fed on by parasites is because we are out of integrity, weak and misaligned, and that attracts them. They're like a street dog who has had no love and no food and no brushings and be covered with ticks and fleas and mange right? and suffering from a lack of love. And so the more we bring love, the more we stay in our truth, the more we commit to integrity as individuals, we become less uh, susceptible to parasitic attachment on every level. And, and so that is what is going to be required to throw off this parasite class that seeks to suck the life out of us is stepping into our own power and potential through integrity and alignment. Mm. Yeah, and it seems to be conquering we need to conquer that complex of uh you know the lack of self-worth that's been driving us for so long that you mentioned earlier um i think the people who conquered the self-worth issue even though it's a spectrum if, if you start down that road and you start making progress on it you become more immune to these types of parasites you become 
capable of creating boundaries and saying, no, I'm not going to do this. This is, this undermines my, my self-worth. This undermines my self-respect. This is out of alignment. Like, you know, you ask me to be out of integrity. I'm not going to do it. So yeah, many layered things. Um, and I found, uh, I found this to be quite interesting. Chad, do you, do you have to go at this point? Yeah, I kind of winding down to, uh, can't really go on much more. I have another meeting in just a little bit, but. But we can always get together and talk again, Brennan, because when your battery is up higher, <laughs> we can kind of, you know, do a part two. I would love to continue the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will. We will get, we'll get back on here and um, we'll just go wherever the wind takes us. Um, but for now, Eileen, uh, what, where are the places, uh, best places for people to follow your work or, you know, sample your work, um, throw a few links out for us if you like? Sure. Okay. Well, I'm on YouTube. I have a bunch of videos on there. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Just look up my name. Um, our websites are biofieldtuning.com and biofieldtuningstore.com. Um, I've created a very um, professional grade, made in America, a very high quality line of tuning forks, um, both weighted forks used on the body and unweighted forks used in the field. We have a certification training program. So if you're hearing about this and something's wiggling inside of you saying, oh, I want to understand that more and do that, you can look into that. Um, like I said, we have hundreds of practitioners all over the world. There is a find a practitioner button on the page. You can go check that out. And, um, and then we also have a website called electrichealth.com. And actually at that website, I have uh, dozens and dozens of both scholarly articles about the biofield, about uh, sound healing studies, uh, music studies. Um, so if anybody's doing any academic research, I've compiled quite a lot of resources there for you. There's also a compilation of mainstream articles about the electric nature of life that there's kind of, there's an awareness that's dawning about this. And so uh, there's plenty of reading material there. So uh, lots of you know, if you're a rabbit hole diver and this is a new topic, I've provided you with lots of juicy stuff to check out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And uh, I do recommend those sound healings. That, that uh, the time you worked on the Arlene remotely, my, uh, I remember you worked on a bunch of stuff. My voice afterwards, like the next week was just unbelievable. Like singing, singing wise, it, was, it felt fantastic. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I still do see sessions, see clients every once in a while, but I, you know, Kind of kind of expensive. <laughs> so if anybody's got fat pockets and wants to have a session with me, um, you know, that might be possible. But there's so many other great practitioners out there. So there are um, lots of other resources to avail yourself to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, mate. It's uh, it's been a long time coming this little chat and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I look forward to, to doing a part two with you at some point. Yeah, it sounds great. Me too, Brennan. All right. Take care. Cheers, Eileen. Cheers. Chat soon. Do you ever wonder how to accelerate your growth, healing, and evolution without hard work, meditation, or spending thousands? Over my years as a conscious seeker, I've encountered one DNA activation and healing method that stands out above the rest and does just that. It's a uniquely potent evolutionary modality that helped me break out of feeling blocked and disconnected, allowing me to unfold more and more of my potential and true self, as well as deepening my spiritual connection, enhancing my energy levels, and more fully activating my body's healing mechanisms. It also remedied a major but little-known energetic blockage which most people have but don't even realize. Now this convenient transformational method forms the core of my Evolve Yourself course, which has helped hundreds of spiritually awake people to accelerate their growth and evolution with minimal effort or cost. Learn everything you need to know at evolveyourself.live.